Yes, we are in a series called Rooted in Christ. We're in a series called Rooted in Christ, a year of Christ-centered growth. You know, the series was, it was developed with the intention in mind that, hey, here we are, we've been here together in this, at least this community for about 10 years now, and in, in, in all profession, we, we profess with our lips, I am a believer, I believe in Jesus Christ, but oftentimes that belief doesn't really translate into a change of character and a change of life. And, and, and the big reason for this lack of transformation or this lack of change is, is not because of Jesus, but it's because of the lack of discipline in its believers, in, their, in, in the believers, right? The thing about spiritual discipline is, is that it creates this space to allow for you to take the word and the truth of God's um, word deeply into your heart where it begins to be a part of who you are and it manifests itself in change. Right? The internal disciplines that does this. So the result of a, of a person who is going through these disciplines is an ongoing change of character that begins to match what they proclaim. Right? And we've covered a few of these disciplines. We've covered what worship looks like. The discipline of worship, the ascribing of ultimate value, ultimate worth with all of your emotions, all of your mind, all of your body to God, doing that in the church, doing that in your home, doing that at your workplace or in your life. We talked about community, what it looks like to build a non-selective, non-private, not safe, gracious community. How in doing that and how being intentional about that creates a transformation of your heart, putting yourself in a place of actual change, right? And today, we're hitting the third discipline, part of the pillars of our church, is discipleship. We're going to talk about discipleship today and what that means, right? I'm going to share with you this QR code. We wanted to uh, put this up there for you guys real fast. This QR code, it's, it's pretty much, it's my sermon notes, right? And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a... Um, it's an ability for you to go through it and kind of you know, track along what I'm, what I'm doing. And also during the, during the week, if you guys are not doing any devos, personal devos yourself, and you guys want to kind of continue the thought process of what we're doing in the church, in our community, there are discussion questions, there are action points that you can take on. Our brother Chris and the praise team, they put together a, a, a YouTube link for a song that's supposed to be kind of engaging in that part. We got some prayer requests that we're asking for you guys to help be a part of praying for us. And just a couple of announcements that you guys uh, are there if you guys want to, um, to do that. So those QR code is for you. Uh, we're trying our best to not just have you be a, a person sitting there, but a disciple, someone who is working and, 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 and challenging their hearts to follow after Jesus Christ, right? And so uh, follow along. I mean, if you guys are like, I wonder how PT takes his notes. That's, that's it right there. That's my outline, okay? <laughs> so how does it, why, is it so, why does he talk so long then? It's you know? <laughs> only like three points. Hey, I don't know. That's how it is, okay? So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 and 20. We're talking about discipleship tonight, today. Discipleship. We're talking about the why, the what, and the how. Why we do discipleship, what discipleship is. And how do, we go, uh, how do we have the power to go about doing it? All right. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. This is the last word that Jesus gave to his disciples before he left. He came as a servant king. Now he's leaving as a commanding officer with a mission and an order to his people. To those whom he has saved. To those in whom he has uh, won victory over. He is leaving now with this order, with this commandment to them. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. So check this out. Follow along in your Bibles. 
notes. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's bow our heads and pray before we start in this word. Father, we thank you for your living word. The word that brings us life, the word that transforms us, the word, O oh Lord, that gives us the expression of your reality. And I just pray over my brothers and my sisters today that as we listen and understand your heart, your zeal, your passion, Lord God, that it will be our zeal, our heart, and our passion. Holy Spirit, would you bring conviction to this place today? Would you open the ears of the sons and daughters of TLC, the friends and family watching at home? And would you remind us of our purpose, our destination, our trajectory? Would you give us, oh God, a hunger for your work in all that we do? And Lord, would you use me, unworthy as I am, to preach your word? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the why. Why do we do discipleship? Look at verse 16 to verse 18. He says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why do we do discipleship? What is the essence, the nature? Why, why do we do it? And we do it simply because it is a command from an authoritative power. It is a command from the one who has, given, who has been given authority over heaven and earth. The, reason, the place where Jesus told him to go was very significant, right? He told him to go to Galilee up to the mountain. In the Old Testament, in old written literature, you meet God in the mountains, right? Abraham met the Lord in the mountain. Moses went to the mountain to receive the commandments, right? There's a mount, Elijah was in the mountain when he heard the whisper of God. Mountain is a place where you go to meet God. And so this whole three years, Jesus was with them, and he was, you know, a man among them. He was, they, thought, they called him a prophet. They called him a, a messenger. Some of them believed that he was the Messiah. And then he calls them, come and meet me at the mountain. And what he was signifying to them is, when you come up to this mountain, and the mountain of Galilee was actually a mountain uh, range where people would do idolic worship on these mountains, right? All these voices, all these spiritual divine voices out there vying for the souls of humanity, these voices and these idols that were being worshipped on these mountains, Jesus calls the disciples to come up there, and they meet the resurrected Christ. And what he was basically telling them is, I am God. I am the one true God. I am the King of King, Lord of Lords. I am the Elohim of Elohim. I am the God of gods. There is no one greater or greater or higher than me. He was signifying this. He was telling them, because of the authority that I, and I showed it to you by dying and coming back from the dead, the authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Discipleship, why we do it, is because it is a command, not a suggestion, not, not a if I feel like it, not if I'm ready, but it is a command for the central heart of the Christian life. If you are a believer, you are called to make a disciple. If you are a believer, you are called to disciple somebody, 
the name of Jesus Christ. You guys follow me? It is a command, not a suggestion. Now, oftentimes, I remember a buddy of mine, he, uh, he called me one time. He said, yo, Tony, I, I, uh, I, I looked up your message online. I said, cool, man. Did you like it? No, I laughed. That's, that's kind of sad. Why? Right? He said, when the camera zoomed to all your people, I mean, I will just laugh because a bunch of sheep. Now, he was, he was not a very nice guy, okay? So he's like, a bunch of sheep. And I was like, um, is my mic on? Is it, yeah? yeah? Okay. bunch of sheep. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, they just sit around and listen to what you have to tell them and just kind of nod their head. And the, That's sheep, man. I was like, hmm, bro, my, my. I was like, you know, we're all sheep, man. The only difference is I know my master. You don't even know yours. He said, I'm not a sheep. I was like, yeah, you are. I said, you, I said no, I'm an independent person. I have my own thinking. He's like, you think you're do you boo, right? Let it go, right? Uh, I'm the master of my own fate. Self did, you, did you self-actualize that by yourself? You think you just came up with that? No. You are the product. You are the product of, like, the uh, Western Enlightenment thinking. He was like, what? Duh, right? You think that just came up? And they were the product. Those, things, they didn't actually, those guys didn't they self-actualize that information either. They were the product of the age-old story of the greatest lie ever told. To question all things. To question God himself. To think that you can become God and rise to the occasion. Who was that voice? It was Satan. I'm telling you, I know my master. Satan is smart. He kind of deceives you not to think that you came up with this yourself. You did not. You're a sheep just like me. But the only difference is, I know my master. My master is good. Your master is meant to kill you. And he was like, oh. I was like, yeah. It's good to know. I was like, you're welcome, right? See, when Jesus called them up and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth, what he was saying is, why didn't you say earth? All authority on earth, so go do your thing on earth. No. He was saying, you have to realize that the life you live is not just physical, but it's also spiritual. Humanity is not just a physical being that eats and poop. You are a spiritual being that rises, that glows, that, that, that has God's essence, his image in you. You are both spirit and body. And therefore, the battle that you will that we rage against you is both physical and spiritual. Constantly, you will have these voices speaking into your life. The Bible calls that the spirit of the age, the power, the authorities, all the cultural nuances, all the narratives that's been going on in our lives and our culture, tossing us left to right. Every age, the cultural narrative changes. Every age, it becomes something new. Why? Because every age, a new generation needs to be deceived. And so Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, which means that I am the ruler of all things. When you are with me, both spirit and body... Both spirit and body, you are to follow me. That is the command. It is not a suggestion. If Jesus is who he says he is, then this thing he's telling us to do is not a suggestion. It is a command. It's his plan. It's his kingdom. It's his will that we are following. And we can either reject it or bow down and worship. It's a binary action. There's no middle ground here. There's no like if, maybe, when, so. It is reject or worship. That's why even here in verse 16, what do we see? Some worshiped, others doubted. They were, just, they were still confused. They still were questioning it. You can only do two things here when it comes to God. Either you worship him or you reject him. 
There's only two voices in this world. Either you listen to the voice of your father or you listen to the voice of li- the father of lies. You can, you, can, you can dress it up and put a bow on it, give it the Gen Z terms, whatever you like. It's still, it's still the voice of this age, the spirit of the age, speaking, deceiving, reminding you, telling you, you're your own God. Did God really say that? Question everything. Put doubt into your heart. Do you. And be running away from the very one who can actually save you. Why do we do discipleship? It is a command of God. His voice speaking into us. Not a suggestion. All right? And I want you, and I really want to take this point home because I really, guys, I really hope you guys see it. All right? If you're sitting here and you're thinking, like, I don't know, maybe I'll think about it. Look, there is only two voices speaking in this world. I know you guys hate the idea that it's so black and white, but that's really it. Do, do, you, know, do you know why the demonic powers and everything that we, that we believe in spiritual, why they make it so vague for you? Why they make the, the, the information so vague? Instead of really making it clear, black, because if you really knew that the voice you were following is Satan himself, you think you would actually follow him? If he actually showed up and said, you're following me, you would like hightail and run. So the best way to do it is just make it vague for you and think, no, you're not following me. You're following you. You're the gods. You're the rulers. You self-actualize this yourself. You figured it all out. You made it. You're the smartest in the whole generation. You're the most well off. But if he came and he told you, God or Satan, it's very clear. The choice becomes very easy. So my hope and my prayer is that if anything, you recognize that. We do discipleship because it's a command from the authority that has power. He is the God of God, the King of kings. He is the Lord of heaven. He is the one that they came to meet. And they were, when, he, when, he, when they came to meet him on this mountain, he was saying, look, I am the one true God. All these other gods, all these other voices that you're following, they're just demonic spiritual beings that, were, that, that, that rebelled against me. I am. I am the one who rules all of this. My authority is above all of them. So do not be afraid. Go with that authority. All right? But here's what we're supposed to do in discipleship. Check this out. Verse 19 and 20. It says, therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What do we do in discipleship? First thing is we make disciples of all nations, to go and make disciples of all nations. So usually when we read this, sometimes we get the kind of thing in our head, thinking, okay, well, this means I have to go on mission. I got to go into a different country. I got to go in a different place. Actually, the verb for the word go here is, is translated while going. While going, make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups, all people group, everyone you find. We live in America, which is the melting pot of all ethnicity. And here we are. Jesus is saying, wherever you go, your new job, your new school, with your family, wherever you plant your place, that is the place that I have sent you to bring Eden there. That is the place that I have sent you to bring my kingdom there. While go, make disciples of all of these people. Talk to them about me. Tell them about me. Fight the battle. 
Fight against the spiritual warfare. Go into this place. Pray for that place. Pray for your people. Pray for your colleagues. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your boss. Work with them. Be with them. Go. Make disciples. Help bring them into a relationship with Jesus. This is the central zeal of the Christian life. You guys know that? That's why in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and 22, when the, the church of Laodicea, doing the hot and cold and lukewarm, you guys remember that, that phrase? Hot, cold, lukewarm? Do you, know, do you know what was going on there in that church? Church of Laodicea in Revelation? Jesus said, I'm actually disgusted by you. I wish you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. Your zeal is gone. You, you focus on what? Your health? You have nice eyes out because there's a city known for their medical advances, Right? You want to be dressed well. They were known for their black wool, right? They were a very rich economy. So you're, you're focusing on gold, on garment, on health, on the things of this world. I wish you were hot or cold, but you're not. You've lost your zeal for me. You've, you've given your allegiance and your loyalty, and you've become passive to the things around you. You've given into the voice of this age. You've given your loyalty Right? You bow the knees to the things around you. And God is saying, that, that disgusts me. Because you were mine. With one central point in your life. You were called to be disciple makers. To bring my kingdom wherever you go. Not to be transformed by the kingdoms around you. But you were to bring transformation to those kingdoms. Whether you are a teacher. Whether you are in the law field, the medical field. Wherever you are called. Co- called to be, that is where you're, you're meant to make disciples. When you form a family, you're making disciples. You're creating a spiritual legacy that's supposed to last. This is an ongoing battle. This is a war that keeps moving and moving, going back. Let me tell you, man, do you know why? Do you know why the end has not come, right? It's to the end of the age. But why hasn't it come yet? And this, if you've been to TGIF, my Bible says, and I share this with you guys all the time, think about this. The first, the first judgment that came upon humanity, right, was the flood, right? When the first warning that came out until the actual flood came, you know how long that was? About 969 years, okay? 969 years. I know that because it was the story of Enoch, right? Enoch, just a dude, right? And then he had a kid. Kid name was Methuselah. Don't know why he named his kid Methuselah, but the name Methuselah means when he dies it will come, right? And so you can imagine Enoch all of a sudden having this kid prophetic name for this child. It says, yo, guys, I'm, I'm not going to play with you, but um, when my kid dies, we die, right? <laughs> like, so we need to repent, right? So the Bible says Enoch, after having his son, did what? He walked with the Lord. You know what Enoch means? Enoch means teaching, right? So that, during, that, during that prophetic time, what was he doing? He was teaching, saying, guys, I'm not going to lie, when he dies, the end will come. And that was 969 years. God waited 969 years for that judgment. After that judgment was a judgment in Solomon and Gomorrah, right? He says, God was saying, I will wait. If you can find one righteous person, I will spare that whole city. And after that, the judgment of Canaan, when God says, go into the land, wipe them all out. It was 400 years the, the message of God was in that land. No one repented. You know how long it's been since the, the first call of judgment? 2,000 years. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus left, and yet we have not seen the end. You know why? This is why. You guys ready for this? Because every time we go, every generation that God raises up a remnant to go and 
create that spiritual legacy, to win his kingdom over, to take back the land that has been taken, what happens? That one generation could do a great job, and then they, ne- they fail to pass it on to the next generation. And all of a sudden, it's got, it gets taken all the way back. Maybe, maybe you get like, you know, a little bit of victory there. And every generation, you know, that's why like they say PKs are the worst, right? PKs, the pastor's like, you know, die for Jesus, and then... Sun rises, takes it backwards, right? I don't, Jesus, whatever, right? We don't create a spiritual legacy. If you're not making disciples, if you're not passing that zeal on, if that's not the central focus of what you're doing, you've lost the mission. You didn't get the assignment, right? You've forgotten. Sorry, that was from, I watched a lot of Instagram lately. It just, it just, it just came to me, right? Anyways, yeah, you didn't get the assignment, right? You were supposed, the assignment is, Make disciples. And all we do is we focus on myself, question the things around me, do me, right? Enjoy that, and then that's it. And every generation, either we win or we lose. It's been so long. Why? Because the sons and daughters of God keep forgetting the call of their life. When you forget your zeal to go and make disciples of all nations, when you become what the Bible calls lukewarm. Lukewarm is not 50-50 half. Okay? Lukewarm is the description for disgusting. You've forgotten everything. It's not about hot being great and cold being bad. Hot and cold is actually good in the Bible in, in, in that passage. Hot was hot water. You drink hot water when you are sick, yeah? You drink cold water when you're hot, yeah? But Jesus said lukewarm sucks. Lukewarm is bad. Lukewarm is disgusting. Lukewarm has forgotten its purpose. You've forgotten your purpose. Parents, your purpose is to bring the gospel and implant it into the heart of your children. Single men, single women, your, your purpose is to use the time, that the freeness of your time that God's given you to go and use it for the making of disciples. In your relationship, God has called you guys together for the sake of how do we reflect his image to make disciples. It is a command given to us. Do not forget that it is the central of your Christian walk, okay? But here's the second thing. Not only make disciples of all nations, but it tells them to do what? Baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, into the name of Jesus Christ, into the name of the one true king. Do you know why he mentioned Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Because you can try to baptize them into any unique. There's, every God out there is not unique. You guys know that? Every God, every spiritual being out there, they're not unique. All the demon, they're not unique. The reason why they're not unique is this. They're like us. One being, one person. One being, one person. I am a human being. You are a human being. That's what we are, right? Demonic, they're spiritual beings. That's what they are. But they also have a personhood, which is who they are. I'm Tony, right? You're you. You have your own thing. Human beings, spiritual beings, one being, one person. Nothing unique about that. One's physical, one's spiritual. There's nothing unique about that. But you know what makes God unique? He is one being, the God being, the God essence. But he's what? Three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It means this. There is no God like our God. There is no one like our God. There's no one in heaven on earth like our God. He is the unique, distinct, sacred, holy God. That's why the angels of heaven, they cry out day in, day, in, day out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There is no God like our God. 
So when you give your worship, your worth, your value, your devotion to things like money, you know, behind money is a spiritual voice. Relationship, behind that is a spiritual voice. Career, ambition, behind that is a spiritual voice. All you're giving your allegiance, your devotion to is one being, one person. And God is saying, why? You were called. You were called to worship the one true God of heaven and earth. One God, one being, three person, unique among all things, the uncreated one. And to baptize into that name, to be baptized into that. You, when, when we tell people to be baptized here, this, when you make, what, what do we do when you make disciples? We're calling them to be baptized. But it's not like, oh, go get, go get splashed with some water. That's not what we're calling them to do. When you tell someone to go get baptized, what you're telling them is go and give your allegiance to nobody else but this one true God. Your allegiance, your loyalty, your trajectory, your commanding voice, you are a sheep, but now you know your master. You give your knee to only him. Are you willing to do that? That is what baptism is. Every baptism is a, is a, is a signal call to uh, the demonic forces saying your impending death is coming because we have won one more over to our God and to our kingdom. Every baptism is an allegiance and a, and a bow of loyalty. That's why you should not be baptized willy-nilly. I have parents coming to me and say, my son should be baptized. I'm like, why? He's 14. It, what does that mean? It's time. Does he know Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Right? Baptism class. If you, go, if you ever go to my baptism class, I make it really short. I'm not trying to explain anything. Like, look, if you love Jesus, you want to identify with him, you want to die for him, I'll baptize you. Right? If any of that is not there, wait. There's no reason to. Because why be baptized to give your allegiance to a God that you're not going to follow? It's just in name only. That's why God, man, God gets so mad when he says, what? My people, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is so far from me. It's all show. No real power. You see, when people got baptized in the old days, it wasn't just splash with water. Woohoo, right? It was splash with water. Now target on my back. Roman Empire saying, you're a Christian, I'm going to kill you. You're a Christian's wife, we're going to rape you. You're a Christian's kid, we're going to sell you to slavery. It is the end of the world for them to be in that place, to be acknowledged as a believer. For us, woohoo, water, right? There's a problem there. We need to change our mindset. We have to remember what we're in. And so Jesus says we're called to make disciples, but not just make some willy-nilly disciples. It's kind of like, woo, be part of the church. But somebody who is saying, I'm willing to bow my knees to God and God alone, to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. That is who I will baptize, be baptized into. He is my God. You guys follow me? Right? And so when you, you got to check your own heart as a disciple. And you got to check the heart of those you're, you're discipling. Right? Your, your prayer for them is not just to go through the motion. Your prayer for them is to say, is Jesus Christ your Lord? Is Jesus Christ your commanding officer? Is Jesus Christ the one in whom you will give your life to? And we're, we're walking alongside our soul to get them to that place where they say yes. Yes and amen. Yes and truly I will. All right? And then thirdly, what does it mean to be baptized? It means what? Teaching them to obey 
everything I commanded. It's not teaching them to know. You guys get me? It's not teaching them to know everything I commanded. It's teaching them to obey everything I commanded. You know the difference? Teaching to know is very easy. I can just teach you and you can get head knowledge. But teaching to obey is that you know it in your head, you know it in your heart, and you live it out in your life. That's not easy to do, guys. Right? Because you can, you can lecture your salt for hours and they'll say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And they're like, oh, they got it. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Right? Because what happened? Next day, they'll just do the exact same thing. You can lecture for because what is taught is not usually what is caught. Right? But what they see you do, how they see you live, the choices you make, the actions you do, the decisions you make, that is caught. A disciple, you teach them to obey, which means you're giving your whole life as a representation of the obedience to God. I remember when I was in, when I was in CCC, we would have like, you know, these prayer nights. Every Friday night, it was, it was called Gethsemane Prayer Night. We would drive to L.A., right? We were like gung-ho back then. From Irvine, every Friday we would drive to L.A., and uh, I hate driving that drive, but usually we fall asleep and then we'll just end up taking the wrong exit sometimes, right? But we drive to LA every Friday, right? And we would just spend the whole day, the whole evening prayer. We pray till like two in the morning, right? From like, like 10 to two, right? And I remember sometimes, sometimes you feel unholy, so you stand in the back a little bit, you know, like, I don't want to be too close. So I stand in the back a little bit. And I remember the staff is usually back there. They're praying over their, their, their students. They're, they're, they're asking God for favor. And they'll usually have their kids running around in the back, right? Again. Pastor's kids, staff kids, just no bedtimes, okay? This is how it is. Just go with your parents. And I remember this two-year-old girl, this cute, cutest thing in the world. She just stood on a chair right in the back. And I'm, I'm praying. I'm just going to close my eyes. People are praying. And I, I happened to open my eyes. And she was sitting right there next to me. And she's just like this. She's, I just see her doing this, right? And I'm looking at her lips. And her lips are just, just moving. Just, just like moving. I'm like, what? I was like, so I was like, I got close. I was like, what, what's she saying, right? So she's two-year-old. She can't even talk. Like, what's she saying, right? But she, she wasn't saying anything. She was, and I laughed. I laugh because I know her mom, right? And that posture, that's her mom's posture. Every time we pray, her mom would be like, and she would just be screaming and stuff like that. But I guess the girl didn't know any words yet, so she just, she just moved her lips, you know? And that's, that's the heart of it. To teach to obey is not say, oh, you should pray. To teach to obey is that, watch me pray. Learn from me. To teach to obey is not, oh, you should give. Watch me give. Learn from me. To teach to obey is not love God. It's to watch me love God. Watch me, watch our family dedicate our life to loving God. Watch the decisions we make central to what God calls us to do. That's teaching to obey. You guys get me? To be a disciple maker is not some willy-nilly lecture time where you're having all this. It is you living your life as a reflection for People who's watching you. Are you perfect? No way, you're not. Will you make mistakes? Absolutely, right? But it's not about the mistakes. It's about the willingness to keep changing and growing as you make, as you grow. And you learn. And when, and when you realize you can't, there are things that you know you, you can't do for your disciple, you, guess what happens? Your love for them compels you to do that. I would know, I know disciple makers who hate reading, like absolutely hate it. Like, like, they're all about, like, I love you, I'll write you little notes, you know, like, we'll do little picnics, we'll have a great time, I'll pray for you. But, like, like, like read to, like, teach you something, like, mm-mm, right? But, you know, 
out of love for their disciple, who's like all asking all these questions that they can't answer. They're like, all right, I guess I'll open a book to read, right? And then watching them just like, Lord, I don't know what I'm reading. This is like Greek to me, you know, I just, I'm doing my best, God help me, you know? But their heart is to bend over backwards for the disciple. To do what? I'm here for you. I'm here for you. How do we learn to be parents, guys? You learn from other parents, of course, within the church, but you also learn it through disciple making, right? When you dedicate your life to do what? To, with the full trajectory of, I'm going to bring this person to discipleship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get them to a place where their allegiance is to God. I'm going to teach them to obey. And you give your heart, your soul, your energy for that. And then you become a family. Then you see your kids. And you, you, it just naturally becomes this cycle. Where you just, I'm going to give everything I have so that you would know Jesus Christ. Right? I'm not going to lie. Pastor's confession. Right? I've, I don't pray the way I pray usually in front of Seth. Right? So that one time when I was at the retreat, the youth group retreat, I just decided, you know, I'm just going to go full out, you know, like Korean yelling, you know, at the retreat. And I was just praying with all my heart, right? And then Seth just, he freaked out. He said, my dad's possessed or something. Like, why is he yelling? Like, like they're doing their best, dad. Stop yelling at them, right? Stop screaming at them. Like, then, you know, my wife was like, he's, no, he's praying for them. He's like, but why is he yelling, right? And I had to sit down and tell him, like, look, I opened up a bunch of passages, like, Tell me what this says. Like, like the Bible, he, you know, he cries out to the Lord. He cried out in anguish. Like, what does that mean? That like, he cried out. How do you cry out? So he's like, like, exactly, right? When, I, when, you, when you are speaking to God, there are times when you can cry out to God in the same way. Like, oh, so that's what you were doing? I was like, yeah. I was like, next time, maybe just less volume. I was like, okay, I'll keep that in mind, right? It requires, what does, it requ- what does discipleship require? It requires you to go wherever you're at to make that essential piece of your life. It requires you as a disciple maker that you are walking alongside them to say, hey, will you give your allegiance to this God? Will you come to this place? It requires that you teach them to obey, not just to know, teach them to obey. And lastly, well, how do we have the power to do that? How do we have the power to do that? And it's, it's here in verse 20. It's such a beautiful verse. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the promise of Jesus is that I am with you always. And know some of you guys are thinking, well, hold on, PT. I don't, if he says he's with me always, how come I don't feel him always? Then my question is, when was the last time you sought to seek for him always? When was the last time you thought, took a step of faith to be a disciple maker? Always. When was the last time you thought I must take a step of faith rather than sitting back, waiting for everything to be ready, and then go? Right? We've been going through this, uh, our Sunday group right here, we've been going through this thing called 40-day draw your circle prayer thing, right? It's a devotion. I love it, right? One of the days was ready, set, go. You know, or actually go, set, ready. See, in, in, the, in the human mind, we think I have to be ready, then I get set. And then I'll go. The way God works is, I want you to go, then you get set, and then I will ready you. Right? That's how God works. And if you want to know his, his presence is always with us. But his presence is, we, we are more aware of his presence when we begin to step into faith with his work. When you step into faith 
when it comes to what he's calling you to do, then you begin to feel his presence more. Then you begin to, because you know why? When you step onto faith, you're actually now relying on his presence more. You're actually in need of help because you have no idea what you're doing. And you have to step into it. There's a story. There's a documentary. I, I recommend you guys watching. It's called Burma Rangers, right? Amazing documentary. It's about this guy. He was a, a U.S. military ranger, P, uh, MK, mili- uh, missionary kid. Decided, you know, I'm going to go into the range. I'm going to dedicate my, my life and kind of be focused and do this. And after he got done with, uh, you know, range, uh, being a ranger, he just felt like God was giving him an urge to go to Burma to do something out there because he saw the conflict that was happening in Burma. And so... He told his wife, who his fiance, he said, hey, you want to get married? She's like, I do. Well, if we get married, we're going to Burma. Are you okay with that? If you're not, we got to end it right now because I'm going. Right? And then she said, okay. So both husband and wife went to Burma. Did they have a plan? No plan. Literally, just, they just had a bunch of medical supplies. They took it all the way into the heart of the struggle, and they said, we can help. What do you need? That was it. That was the beginning of their journey. We can help. What do you need? And what ended up happening was through his ranger skills and his ranger training, he was able to start this thing called the Burmese Rangers where he would help. He would train these men and women up to love the Lord, to be courageous, and to, and to help get people who are refugees all over because of the, the conflict out of these places. Over and over, he, you would watch the and they, they would go in the middle of gunfights, and they would rescue these children and these families out of these situations and take them to a place. So he would, he would set up camp in the middle of the Burmese jungle, training these rangers, not only in military combat, right, for protection, but also in the word of God. And they grew into a whole group, not a militia group, because they, they weren't there to kill anybody. They became a group that was that was focused on saving those in most need in that area. Did he have a plan? Nope. Did he know what was going on? Nope. He literally said, I'm just going to go. And then God readied him for the cause. And throughout the whole time, he said, God never left me. God never left me. So many times as believers, we always say, I don't feel God. He's not around. I don't say when was the last time you decided to do his work? The, the promise is when there is discipleship making, you're, you're, you're fighting this fight, you're, you're centered on this desire, then when you begin to call upon him, he is there. He is there. When there's an anguish and a cry and devotion and a wanting for his presence, he is there. And you know it. So instead of saying, I need to be ready first, how about you say, God, I'm just going to go. And then you ready me, wherever it may be. Be the opposite. Step out into faith. Step into it, wherever the Lord leads. Let's pray.